are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Mark chapter 16, beginning with verse 15 and following. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So then... After the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God, and they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. And now let us bow our heads for prayer. And our Heavenly Father, I want to speak tonight, and I pray you'll bless me. I want to be a blessing. I think sometime I get old to these people. I've been here so long. And uh, I want to be fresh when I speak, and I want the people to enjoy it. And so I pray tonight that you'll use me, and may the Holy Spirit absolutely control me. And may the Holy Spirit take the Word of God and challenge our hearts afresh and anew to work for thee. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I want to read verse 15 and verse 19 and verse 20 together. And let those three verses constitute the text tonight. And I want to preach tonight on Christ and his co-workers. Christ and his co-workers. Verse 15, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven, and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, and confirming the word with signs followed. Amen. Notice verse 19, after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. Our Lord is in his best place, and we are in our best place. The Lord ascended to heaven. He is now seated on the right hand of the Father, and the Bible said he maketh intercessions for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. But he left us here, just like he left these disciples after he ascended to heaven. He left them here. He ascended to heaven because his work was finished. But he left them here because their work was not finished. And we all have a work to do. It would save us a lot of heartache and disappointment and trouble if the moment we were saved, we could immediately go to heaven. Because as soon as we saw Christ, we'd be made exactly like him. Uh, We'd be perfect. We'd know as we're known. We'd know all about the Bible. But God leaves us here for a purpose. He leaves us here because there is a work to do. Christ was taken up to heaven. His work was done. We're left on earth. Our work is not done. I think if I should die and go to heaven and face God and suddenly learn that I had not won all the people of Christ that I should have won, that I'd ask permission to come back to earth and stay longer until I'd won every soul to Christ that he wanted me to win and then go back to heaven. 
I'd like to complete the job that he's given me to do. I'd like to be able to say, as he said, when he died on the cross, it is finished. Which simply meant, I've accomplished the task that I came to do. I've died for sinners. I've paid their debt. It is finished. Nothing can be added to it, and nothing can be taken from it. I hope, when I'm ready to die, that I can say with a good, clear conscience, and say it with a real conviction, because it's true, Dear Lord, it is finished. You say, nobody can say that. Yes, they can. When the Apostle Paul was ready to die, Paul said, the time of my departure is at hand. He said, I've kept the faith. I've finished the course. I've fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. I've finished the course. It's like a course, like a like racers. They're, they have a they have a course to run, say, a uh, 500 yards. Maybe they got to uh, jump a couple of these things. You jump, whatever they are. Hurdles, I guess you call them. They have a course to run, and the course is not complete until they go across the goal line. And when they cross the finish line, they have finished the course, whatever the course is. Jesus, when he died, said, it's finished. He finished his. Well, when he died, before he died, he said, I have finished the course. I have done what God wanted me to do. Don't you think it would be awful embarrassing to get to heaven, be made exactly like Christ, see him as he is, and then understand and realize that we haven't done one-tenth of what God really intended us to do here as, as Christians. I really believe with all my heart, if you'd let me, I'd say, Jesus, let me go back. I don't want to spend eternity in heaven with the realization that I didn't do a tenth of what I ought to have done. Jesus, let me go back down to earth and do what I'm supposed to do before I come up here to heaven. Now, my dear friends, God has a work for all of us to do, and we all ought to be busy about accomplishing that work. Not me, not you, but everybody ought to be busy doing it. He knows where we can serve best. God saved you. He put you in Atlanta. He's got you on that job. He's got you in that school. He's got you in that office for a purpose. He's got a work to be done at your office. He's got a work to be done on your route, if you're a route of some kind. He's got a work to be done, and he expects you to do it, and he left you here to do it. Now, notice with me, first of all, I said the subject is Christ and his co-workers. Notice first that they worked. Look at verse 20. Very carefully. And they went forth. There's so many simple things here, but I want you to see them. First, just put a little line on the word they. And they went forth. Not some of them. Not part of them. But they. The very ones he said to in verse 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel. The whole crowd that he spoke to, they went forth. All of them worked. I wish I could get this over to you dear people here. Every single one of us are supposed to be working. Not just a few, but all of us are supposed to be working. And they went forth. All of them worked. They did not all have a church. They did not all have a pulpit. They did not all have a Sunday school class. They did not all have a Bible class. They did not all go to Bible college. They were not all educated, but they all worked. And God expects all of us to work. 
I've given you these two verses, but I want to share them with you again tonight. Keep your passage in Mark and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. I want to give you verse 11 and 12. And give you a simple lesson showing you that we're all supposed to work. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11, a very simple Bible lesson here. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. That's verse 11. And he, that's Christ. God gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Now look at verse 12. Now, why did he give the evangelists? Why did he give the apostles? Why did he give the prophets? Why did he give the pastors? Why did he give the teachers? Verse 12 says, for the perfecting of the saints. Now, I'm going to shock you. It is not my job as a pastor to win souls. It is not my job as a pastor, this will really shock you, to do the work of the ministry. Oh, you say, Brother Curtis, the work of the ministry belongs to you and Brother LaVoy Johnson and Brother John Stencil and Brother Jack Grubb and you assist and all those assistant pastors and our church staff. We pay all and the work of the ministry belongs to you fellas. Oh, look at the Bible. He gave apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. Get the next expression. For the work of the ministry. Did he give the... Uh, Apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers for the work of the ministry? No, he gave them for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry. The Greek word perfect there literally means the equipping. He gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Then who is supposed to do the work of the ministry? Saints. Saints. And what is a saint? Don't be like the little girl when asked, what is a saint? She said, a saint is a dead Christian. Missed it. <laughs> That's what some folks think. I like the other definition of a saint. A little girl went in a building and the, and the wonders uh, had these uh, stained glass windows with these figures in the windows. And the little girl asked her mother, mother, who are those people in the windows? And her mother said, well, honey, they're saints. After a while, the little girl nudged her mother and said, now I know what saints are. Saints are the people who let the light shine in. That's what a saint is. Now, who's the work of the ministry belong to? It doesn't belong to the pastor, the evangelist, the prophets, the teachers, and so on. It belongs to the saints. Now, get the rest of it. He gave all these people, evangelists, pastors, prophets, so on, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. My job as a pastor is to equip you saints to do the work of the ministry. And get the other expression after that, and I'm going to come back. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, get the other part, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And the Greek word edify means to build. For the building of the body of Christ. And the body of Christ is the church. And you build or edify the body of Christ by soul winning. Every time you lead a soul to Christ, that person is baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. And every time I lead somebody to Christ, the Holy Spirit places him into the body. If the work of the ministry results in the building of the body of Christ, and the body is only built as people are saved, then the work of the ministry has to be soul winning. It is not stated, but it's implied. 
because you don't build the body of Christ anyway except when in souls. And someday when that body is complete, the trumpet will sound and Christ will come for the bride, the body of Christ, and the church will be raptured and caught out if you're premillennial. If you're not, he'll come for it anyway and you'll turn free at the rapture. I'm so premillennial, I won't even stick out my tongue anymore and say, ah, oh, when the doctor tells me to. I'm no ah oh, for me. I was ah oh, millennial long enough. I'm, I'll say pre, but I won't say ah. Oh. I'm so premillennial, I don't even eat post-toasties anymore. Raisin bran, but no post-toasties. The only thing with any post on it. So what happened? And verse 20, and they went forth and preached everywhere. All of them worked. Every one of them worked. I think I'll keep preaching and screaming and hollering and spitting and throwing songbooks till everybody here gets the idea, hey, I'm supposed to be working too. I preached last uh, uh, Wednesday night on consecration. Who will consecrate his, his service this day unto the Lord? And we got about 12 to get the idea they ought to be working. They came down the aisle. But Johnny needs some more, so i got to preach again. Come on. You get something done. And they, I mean, all of them, everybody he told it, they went for them. They didn't all have a church, a pulpit, a Sunday school class, a Bible class. They didn't all have the same talents. But they all worked. They all worked. No one need here. Everybody working. Everybody working. We'll never get it done with a few of us working. Everybody's going to do it. No, second thing. Their work was aggressive. And they went forth. They was aggressive. They didn't sit around. If somebody happens to call me and want to get saved, I'll pray about it. <laughs> if somebody runs me down and stops me in the street and says, I just saw you living so much for Jesus that I want to be a Christian, save me. A lot of folks say, you know, if you just live, I think the way you witness is just live a good life. And you just live a good life before men and make them hungry to get saved. Now, let's be honest. Has anybody here lived such a good life that anybody got hungry to get saved and run you down, stopped you, and told you to tell them how to get saved? Raise your hand. I want to see who you are. I want to meet you. I'm raising mine, but that don't mean nobody's ever run me down. In all my, in all my life, nobody ever run me down and said, Hey, I've been watching you and you're living so good, your life's such a testimony, it makes me want to get saved. How do you get saved? Nobody ever did that. I don't believe in talking. I just I believe in letting your life be a witness. I'd sure hate you to witness for me. If somebody charged me with murder, and you was the only fella that saw me, and knew I didn't kill the fella, and you got on the witness stand and combed your hair real slick and put your Bible under your arm, and sung, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And you wore your Sunday school pen, Hung way down to the floor and you tripped on it and broke your leg so long. And boy, you had it and you sat there and you said, I don't believe in, I don't believe in witnessing with your lip. I believe in witnessing with your life. So I brought my Bible with them. I'm a Christian. I wore my Sunday school pen. They all know I'm a good Christian. I said, I don't care what you wear. Tell them something. Tell them that I didn't kill that man. Talk, man. You say, I'm just going to witness. You say, I, I think you just love everybody. So you run through the courtroom and kiss the judge. And kiss all the jurors. And you just demonstrate love and love and love and love everybody. That don't want witness. That's not witnessing. You say, I think if you're just joyful enough, so you sit there and laugh. <laughs> and, you, and shout a little bit. Run through the court and say, 
Woo, I'm so joyful. I'm just such a good Christian. I say, man, would you please sit down and shut up and quit smiling and kissing everybody and tell them folks that I was not over there the night that guy got killed. They're going to electrocute me unless you talk some. You don't witness with your life. You witness with your lip. You back up your witness with your life. You back up your witness with your life. Their work was aggressive. They went forth. The emphasis in the early days of the church was not on gathering the people, but the emphasis in the early days of the church was scattering the people. They went forth. Went forth. We come here on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, but we ought to come to have our spiritual battery charged and get so excited that when the service over, we go out of here with Bible tracts and good news cards and, and telling folk how to be saved. This is not, this is not it. Just getting, meeting together, it's not it. This meet, eat, and retreat. I don't like it. We got too many meatloaf mothers and potato salad Patricias now. And come in and eat on, eat on Wednesday night till we get the burps and we have to drop two in the glass. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it is. And we go home and the world dies to go to hell. That's why we don't have a kitchen around here. You remember John said, where is your kitchen? At home. Where is your kitchen? You against eating? No, sir. If you had seen me tonight, you'd know I'm for it 100%. I eat tonight. We had dried butter beans and big boiled potatoes. What else did we have? We had barbecued chicken, sliced tomatoes, iced tea with lemon in it. Excuse me, please, I'm going home a few minutes. I'll be back directly. I eat tonight till I thought I was going to bust. Oh, it's burst, isn't it? Burst! I'm not against eating, but that's not church service. God didn't attend the church to be a glorified supper club. To be honest with you, there's better restaurants downtown we can fix meals over here. And if you want to eat in a good restaurant and have a good meal, place to go is not church, go to a good restaurant. Oh, quiet here tonight. Now let's go, man. I'm not against eating, but what I am saying is the purpose of coming to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night is not an end in itself. It ought to be that I come there because I need fellowship with other Christians. And I need some inspiration. And I need some challenge. And I need a preacher who'll growl at me and bark at me and stomp the floor and scream at me so I want to get out and work for God. That's what church is about. They went forth. Notice something. They all worked and their work was aggressive. They went forth. The first word in the Great Commission is go. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every The first word is go. You don't spell go, P-R-A-Y. You don't spell go, G-I-V-E. You don't spell go, S-I-N-G. You don't spell go, C-O-M-E. You spell go, G-O. Sing and pray and give and come to church, but that's not doing what it said do. The Bible says go into all the world and preach the gospel. Look up at verse 15, what he said to them. And he said unto them, G-O, go. Go, go. That's the first thing he said. Go. And I feel like somebody is getting up and screaming. Go, go, go. Just run down out and go, 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 go. And somebody says, hey, he means we ought to go. 
And I see somebody get said, I'm, I'm gone. I'm gone. I'm gone. And I just after holler, go, go, go. And everybody was gone. With a handful of Bible tracts and went in folks to class. We're going to have a prayer meeting. Pray for God to send in a bunch of sinners. Well, you may as well not pray. Unless you go. That's like a farmer praying for a good crop when he didn't plant any corn. He didn't, he didn't do what he supposed to do. He didn't plow the field. And he didn't plant any corn. He just got out in the middle of the field. Sorry. Lord, give us about 150,000 bushel of corn on this 100 acres. He may as well quit praying. Unless he's going to plow the ground and plant the corn and keep the weeds hold out. He's not going to get any corn. And it's a sin for churches to meet on Wednesday night and pray for sinners to come get saved. You can pray for yourself in your backslidden condition. But you get sinners saved by going, G-O, go, 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 go. And the, and, and the fact that soul winning is the most difficult thing to get church members to do is an indication that it's the most important thing to do. Strong church is a very valuable institution, but we assemble together to learn, to read, to get inspired. To go. Notice the third thing. They all worked. Their work was aggressive. But thirdly, their work was prompt. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Verse 19, And after that the Lord had spoken unto them, He was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God, and they went off to pray about it. No, they went forth. There's no hesitancy here. There's no time lapse. He said, I want you to go and preach the gospel. He went to heaven and they went out. I like that. It just excites me to think about it. I like it. Here he goes, zoop up to heaven. They say, out to the world, preaching the gospel. Prompt, no hesitancy. They didn't talk about going. They went. There was a big congress on how to have revival and Hundreds and, I think, thousands of pastors, not hundreds of thousands, but thousands of pastors were present, and churchmen and delegations from other churches discussing the subject of revival and how to have revival. And while they were inside this big building, hundreds of them discussing how to have revival, D.L. Moody was out on the street preaching, having a revival. It's one thing to give lessons and talk about it and talk about it and talk about it and talk about it. You can talk till you die. It's another thing to go. My daddy used to say to me, I'd talk about this, talk about someone will do so and so and so and so. My daddy would say, do it and then talk about it. Do it and then talk about it. But I spent a lot of time talking about it and never doing it. My daddy said, do it and then talk about it. Go. Go. They all worked. Their work was aggressive. And their work was prompt. Some of us spend all of our time trying to defend the gospel. Now, wait a minute. I'm all for what Jude 3 says. Contend for the faith. Contend for the faith. But you can contend for the faith. That is no substitute for soul winning. The Great Commission is still going to all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You put a lion in a cage and let people start attacking the lion, 
and you get around and try to defend the lion. About the best thing you do is open the door and let the lion out. He'll defend himself. And about the best defense of the Bible is to preach it. You preach it, it'll defend itself. They went, all of them. Their work was aggressive. They went forth, and their work was prompt. They didn't wait about it. They went immediately. Notice the fourth thing. They served their master obediently. Verse 15, And he said unto them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Verse 20, And they went forth and preached everywhere. They didn't try to substitute something else. What he said do? He said, go on the all the world and preach the gospel. But what did they do? I'm not against, I'm not against some of the programs people have. I'm not against musical programs. I'm not against chalk artists. I'm not against seminars. I'm not against lectures. But there's no substitute for preaching. He said, you go and preach. I just like preaching. When I was a little boy, I liked preaching. I never knew what they were saying, but I liked preaching. There's something about that old preacher when he walked up there. Getting that pulpit and preach. I just like the sound of it. There's no substitute for preaching. It pleased God for the foolishness of preaching to save them that would believe. Churches are trying everything now. Having in all kind of teams and, and I'm for training and studying, but there's no substitute for preaching. They obeyed the Lord. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And verse 20 said, they went forth and preached. You say, what about me? Everybody ought to be a preacher. Everybody ought to be a preacher. You say, what about the women? They had to preach too. You say, pastor churches? No, you didn't preach without pastoring a church. And I know you ladies can preach. I've heard some of you preaching. You didn't have a good gospel, but you had a good delivery. Come on, men, you've heard some of them preach. My wife's got a tremendous delivery. And she's uncompromising in her stand, too. And she's convincing in her arguments. Don't laugh, yours are yours is too. So we can all preach. We can all tell people how to be saved. I mean, the women ought to tell folks how to be saved. Men ought to tell folks how to be saved. Kids ought to tell folks how to be saved. Little girls ought to tell folks how to be saved. Everybody ought to tell folks how to be saved. They went everywhere and preached. I'm glad I'm a preacher. If I had a choice of being everything else in the world, I'd want to be a preacher. I just like the sound of a preacher. Call me preacher. Don't call me reverend. Don't call me minister. I feel like a, an Episcopalian when you call me a minister. Call me preacher. There's my preacher. How you doing, preacher? I like that word. Some of you didn't want what to call me. Call me preacher. What's it? Should I call you doctor or reverend? Just call me preacher. I like it. They serve the master obediently. And notice one more thing, and I'm going to get to the other part of the message. They went everywhere. They not only all worked, and they worked aggressively, and they worked promptly, 
and they worked obediently, they worked everywhere. I like that. Look at the text, verse 20. And they went forth and preached everywhere. Everywhere. Down to shopping center. In street corners. The office. Magic market, dry cleaners, riches white sale, at the Easter egg hunt, here where they went to preach. When the family came to see them on vacation, they preached. When they went to see the Ken folks in New York, they preached. When they went off on vacation in the summertime, they preached. And where they stopped, they preached a little. You know I'm getting blessed by my own sermon. When you go on vacation, you ought to preach everywhere you go. If you go to New Jersey, preach. If you go to South Carolina, stop and get some gasoline, preach a little. While he's putting gasoline, preach. He's not going to quit putting it in. Preach. Everywhere. And they went everywhere. Preaching. Everywhere. Everywhere. Malcolm, God bless you. You went all the way to Florida preaching, didn't you? I wrote an article about him in a newspaper down in Florida. And wrote an article about him because he did his books, CPA did his books, and then gave him a tract next to me. He died, he knew he'd go to heaven, told him how to be saved. And the fellow was so impressed by it, wrote an article in the newspaper about it. And they were preaching. You know, I'm glad old, I shouldn't say old, I don't know how old he is. I'm glad the ex-governor Carter is using the expression, he's born again. He's preaching a little bit when he says born again. You say, but he may not be born again. I don't know whether he's born again or not, but that's our language, isn't it? I'm glad he knows our language. He said, I'm a born again believer. I like that better than saying, I join the church. Or I'm a Christian. Or I'm a church member. Or I'm religious. You don't hear folks say born again except old-fashioned fundamentalists. Now, he may not be an old-fashioned fundamentalist, but if he uses our language, I like that. I hope he keeps saying it over and over and over. In fact, I'm going to write him asking if that's really true. Is he really born again? That's great. Amen. I like the language. Wouldn't it be great to have congressmen, senators, presidents? I believe in the next ten years in this country that the majority of senators and congressmen in Washington, D.C. is going to be born-again, blood-washed, fundamental Christians. Say, so you really believe that? With all my ransom soul, I believe it. Things are moving in the right direction. You don't see it much as I do because you don't travel much as I do. But I see it. And if we just keep fundamentalists together and they won't fight at each other and call each other's eyes out, we won't get something done in the country. But they fight pretty bad. They're like the fellow who met a friend of his one day and said, uh, How's your wife? He said, Didn't you hear? He said, She died. Said she died. Said, yes, she died. What happened to her? Said she had a, uh, said she ate some poison mushrooms. They said, that's terrible, terrible. But he said, it's not too bad. Said, I'm married again. Oh, he said, well, I'm glad you found another lady. It was a nice lady. Yeah, a nice, pretty nice lady. They said, what happened to her? Said, she died. Who? Well, you mean she's already dead? Yes. Said, what happened to her? Said, she had a brain concussion. He said, that's bad. How did it happen? Said, she wouldn't eat her mushrooms. 
But that reminds me of the fundamentalists sometimes. We fight all the time. But if we get fundamentalists stick together, you know, we don't all act alike. A lot of fundamentalists don't like me because I'm not cultured enough. I'm too country. But I like being country. I like being loose, you know, just having a good time. If I tried to get too dignified, I, man, I could, I could do nothing. I can't even eat when I'm too dignified. I got to loosen up a little bit. I got to eat my syrup with a fork. <laughs> Put my cornbread and crumb it up in my soup. Man, you don't know what living is. I can tell that now. You know, you come with some cornbread up soup and have a big glass of ice cold buttermilk. Almost crack your teeth when you drink it. Some of you folks from north never had a glass of buttermilk. <laughs> Somebody buy her a quart of golden plate and give it to her tonight. And cook her about a half a dozen hush puppies and her tongue will slap her brains out before she gets to eat. They went everywhere, just like I'm doing, going everywhere. Somebody complained to John Wesley that he was not keeping to his parish. John Wesley said, the world is my parish. And let's us go until the whole city is saturated with the gospel. We haven't started yet. we got a few, but let's crank up and go again. Amen? Start again and go again and go again. Until everybody in the whole city says, there they come again, there they come again. And this time they brought two more with them. Honey, run, close the door, there they come again. Amen. Let's saturate the whole city with Forest Hill gospel. We do have the right one, don't we? Salvation by grace through faith. Just want you to know it wasn't different than anybody else. It's the Bible. Second point. Thirteen sub-points. The Lord, they not only work, the Lord work with them. Look at it, I love this. Hallelujah. Verse 20, And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them. Now you may work for Mr. Ford, if you don't work with Mr. Ford. And if you work in the government, you may work for another Mr. Ford if you don't work with Mr. Ford. If you work over at Rich's department store, you may, you, you may work for Mr. Rich if you don't work with Mr. Rich. But when you work for the Lord, you work with the Lord, the Lord working with them. You get out there, he works with you. Sometimes he works before you. Sometimes he works with you. Sometimes he works after you. I've had him work before me. I think I may have told this story. I do tell it out in conferences sometimes. It's been a long time since I've told it. But when we first began a little visitation program, over on that basement building with outside toilets, I had a few little visits cards where people that visited our church. must have been five or six of them. I remember when we first started giving out visitors cards and get people to fill them out. I was going to make, give me some prospects. We'll go visit them. 
And I got a lot of prospects and never got around to visiting. And I got very convicted about it. And I said, you're going to have to do it, Curtis. You've got to do it. You're not a preacher. If you don't do it, you've got to do it. Get out and do it. So I pulled a prospect card out and I said, Lord, I'll go visit this person right now. It was after, it was after 9 o'clock at night. So after 9 o'clock and I said, go visit this person right now. It's the lights on. And I drove. It's been so long, you won't know what it's about, so I'm going to go ahead and tell it. That's when Valleybrook Road went all the way through here. I drove right down Valleybrook Road. Never knew we'd have a church on this corner right here. That time. Come out of Scottsdale over here drove down Valleybrook Road hunting Brook Drive. Went out over here across the creek and hit Brook Drive. Went down Brook Drive, down the flat, and over there on the left-hand side was a house. I checked to see if it was the right number. It was the right number, and so help me. There was a moving van, a rented, wasn't a moving van, but a rented truck backed up, and they were loading furniture in the back of that truck. And I said, well, I'm ashamed of myself. I waited so long for the people to move. But I'm going to go on in anyway. So I went on in anyway. And I said, I'm sorry, I'm so long about visiting you. I'm ashamed of myself. I'm the pastor of the church where you all visited a month or two ago, according to this card now. And I waited till you went to move before I come to see you. I, I feel so embarrassed about it. Would you please forgive me? And the man said, I'll forgive you, but you... He said, we're not moving. He said, I'm moving. I said, what do you mean? He said, my wife and I are separating, and I'm putting my furniture on this truck, and said, I'm, I'm leaving. And I said, before you leave, could I talk with you? He had his mother and daddy there and served his kinfolks. She had her mother and daddy there and served her kinfolks. You could tell it was two different armies. He was one said, that's hers. Don't touch that. That's his. He paid for that. He'd get that. That kind of carried on. So I came to the back room. We sat down on the edge of the bed, and I told him out of the Bible how to be saved. He trusted Christ. Cried like a little baby. And I said, now I'm going to call your wife, and I'm going to tell her what happened. He said, all right. He called his wife, and I said, now, he's not putting on. He's not getting religion to get you back. Now. I said, I'm a preacher, and I showed him out of this Bible how to be saved. He's trusted Christ to save him. She was a little bit suspicious of it. She looked at him hard. He said, she didn't know what getting saved was. I said, let me take the Bible and show you what I showed your husband. But she said on the other side of me, I took the Bible and showed her how to be saved. And she trusted Christ. She was going, shh, shh, shh. And then she looked at him and he looked at her. And they'd done some silly things. They hugged each other up and started kissing and I... So hurry up and get through that stuff home. And they kissed and cried and slobbered all over each other. I never seen such a mess. And I said, now we're going out here and we're going to tell your kinfolk what happened. We walked out in the living room. And I said, called him to spend so many years on my hand. I said, so and so trusted Christ as his Savior. And so and so his wife, you trusted Christ as her Savior. And they all stood startled. I said, now I'm going to take time standing right here in the floor to tell you all exactly what I told him back there in the back room. I gave the plan of salvation and eight, eight of their kinfolks trusted Christ. There's ten saved in that house. He had the truck just about loaded completely down with his furniture and I helped him unload it piece by piece and put it back in the house. And had the best time I ever had in all my life and shouted all the way home. I said, Lord, I'm so glad you sent me over. That's the Lord working before me. One night I was so discouraged and soul winning, I thought I'd give up. I cut down Rockbridge Road, past the, the Church of God up in Rockbridge Road, went down several houses on the left-hand side, 
No lights were on, but I knocked on the door. When I knocked the door on, no longer had my knuckles. said, tap, 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 and the door came open, and the man crying said, thank God you came. Thank God you came. And I thought, well, I must have had an appointment to come here tonight, and, and uh, Miss Hoffman didn't tell me about it. He said, thank God you came. And so I, I just act like I knew what it was all about. I said, yep, yeah, I came, I came. I'm on time, I'm on time. He said, you're on time, just on time. And he told me, he said, I've been walking the floor back and forth, praying that God send somebody up here to show me how to be saved. I want to be saved. I was so excited. I sat next to a little coffee table, took the Bible and showed that man how to be saved, trusted Christ and just saved. That's the Lord working before me. And they went everywhere and preached the gospel and the Lord working with them. I like that, working with them. I don't want to work if he don't work. But when he works, I like to keep on working. Sam Barber will remember this, and somebody else may have been in this soul winning class. I used to have a soul winning class here. I taught about twice a year. I haven't done it in a long time. We need to do it again right away. But I met in the basement building of the old church in a Sunday school room. And when I, I, when I give a soul winning lecture, I always make out like I'm winning somebody to Christ. And so I just pick out somebody in the room and start calling them a fictitious name. I, usually I call them Bob or something. And that night, there was a man I'd never seen before. But I thought it was a fellow from another church coming on how to win souls to Christ. It was supposed to be just Christians in that class. I think it's a man from another church come to see how to win souls to Christ. So I just picked him out, started talking to him like I never seen him. And I just picked out a name. I think it was John. And I started calling him John all the way through. I said to John, you know you're a sinner? He said, Yep. The Bible says here, Romans three twenty three, all is sinning comes toward the glory of God. You believe that, John? Yep, yep. I went all the way through the plan of salvation, got through, prayed with him. He prayed, trusted Jesus as his Savior, and got up and said, how did you know my name was John? I said, is your name really John? Did you really get saved? I thought you were just playing with me. He said, I just got saved, and I've been saved. And my soul went in class. I said, hallelujah. That's God working with you. Sometime he goes before Sometimes he goes with you. Sometimes he goes with you. Sometimes he comes after you. You preach. Later on, the word of God sinks in his heart and cuts. He remembers what you said. He trusts Christ as his Savior. And they worked. And the Lord worked with them. And we ought to do it too. God work with us. I think one of the greatest incentives of Christian work is the fact that God will work with you. If you want to sense the presence of Christ, you get out and start winning souls to Christ, and I'll guarantee you'll feel his presence like you won't feel doing anything else. Because that's the one thing. He said, I'll promise you my presence. If you go into all the world and preach the gospel, lo, I'm with you. Always. But that promise is to the fellow who goes with the God. If you ever have a blue day or feel depressed, don't raise your hand. Do you ever feel discouraged? Do you ever get depressed? Do you ever get down? If you ever get depressed or down or discouraged, get your New Testament. Hit the street. Go soul winning. You won't lead two people to Christ before you'll sense the presence of Christ so real that you'll skip supper and you'll stay out soul winning. I'm going to tell you something. I still have to make myself witness. It doesn't come easy. You say, how, 
comes easy to you, no, it doesn't. I said, Curtis, you're going to witness it. Of course, you're going to witness. I make myself, I just go ahead and put my mouth out there and start witnessing. When I make myself do it, then I get so excited about it, I want to keep on doing it and keep on doing it and keep on doing it. And then I, then I go crazy with it. You know, just get everybody everywhere. Just first thing I know, I'm up all the rest. I told you about being with Carl Hatch not long ago, didn't I? About three or four weeks ago. And y'all know Carl. <laughs> and I would not let Carl embarrass me. But I said, as soon as we get in this restaurant, he's going to witness everybody in here. So I'm going to run in ahead of him and start screaming and witness before he ever gets in here. And before he could ever get in the restaurant, I was witnessed everybody in the whole restaurant. And I embarrassed him. But I learned you have to do that with Carl, because when he was here with us, we went to the Waffle House one night and sat down over there. And I wasn't, you know, I may have left a good news card on the table. I may have left a dollar tip and put it in the Bible track. We sat down. Old Brother Hatch is grinning. Grinning. It's Sunday night and there's a lot of Christian nightclubbers over there. Grinning. Lady come and set a glass of water down. Carter looked at her and grinned. She looked at him. <laughs> and he said, he said, woman, he said, man, this man just as happy as dead pigs in the sunshine. She said, yeah, yeah. He said, you know why we're so happy? I said, no. He said, we're saved. She said, I'm saved too. He said, are you born again saved? She said, I'm, I'm born again saved. Oh, you don't mean it. You mean if you died, you know you'd go to heaven? I know I'll go to heaven. He's talking loud. And you can hear it getting quieter. Quieter, quieter in that place. And I'm about ready to crawl on the table. <laughs> I said, now she's saved, he'll hush. The other waitress come back and bought the silverware. He said, you know what that other waitress just told us? About it loud, everybody here in the holding. That waitress said, no. said, she told us she was saved. woman said, I'm saved too. He said, you born again saved? He said, I'm born again saved. He got the ball rolling. You know what he did then? Got him, went to the table next to us. And <laughs> waiting over there and said, she's saved. <laughs> that over there saved too. And that man at that table with me, he's saved. <laughs> he said, are y'all saved? <laughs> what about you, mister? You saved? <laughs> we go so-and-so to church. We really saved. He went to the next table. Said. Hey, wait till you go last that she saved. That night, that saved. That man over on the table laughing. He's saved. <laughs> and them two said that they both of them told me they're saved. What about that? <laughs> Y'all saved? <laughs> <laughs>
Everybody in that whole restaurant was saved. <laughs> but there's all afraid to say anything about it. The little car got to go in. And when we left, everybody was saying, you know, it's wonderful. Everybody in here is saved. They're just talking out loud. Got to talk about tomorrow. So I learned, amen, Brother Carl. You get me next time. You won't get in there and say, are you saved? I'll be the one say, are you saved? This man's going to get you. I'm going to get you first. So I got him. I was in Texas with him. Every time he'd go to win somebody to Christ, I'd grab my mouth under his nose and get him. But we had a good time. And I learned too. Next time I went to the pancake house when he was here. The girl started coming up. I said, let me see you a minute, lady, before you take order. I knew he was going to grab about it. If I gave him two minutes, a second, he'd have grabbed it. I said, let me see you a minute, lady, before you. I said, are you saved? What's that? And I told her. I led her to Christ. The boy came by sleeping on the floor. I said, wait a minute, son. I'm going to ask you a question. I said, that lady, the way she's trusted Christ as a Savior, she's going to heaven when she dies. What about you? He said, no, I'm not sure. I said, well, let me show what I showed her. He trusted Christ as Savior. They worked. They all worked. Their work was aggressive. They worked promptly. They worked obediently. He worked with them. Sometimes he goes before you. Sometimes he goes with you. Sometimes he comes after you. Let's go to work. Amen. Let's go to work. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And when he's spoken of them, he has sent it up out of their sight. And they went everywhere and preached. Preached. Lord, working with us. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, PreachTheBible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit KNBBC.com for Christian music you can trust.